Welcome to Female Political Strategy, Female First, Female Forward, Politically Non-Binary. I'm Rope. I'm Lilla. And I'm Elle. And today, I wanted to talk about what's probably my most radical opinion. I think women should control all of the money. I don't think men should be allowed to have money or control money. I don't think men should be legally barred from owning money or property the same way that like women were legally barred at one point from owning property. Why not, Lilith? (laughs) (laughs) Please explain. Explain yourselves. I mean, for any man that doesn't have like a female owner or something like that, you know, like a female, <laughs> like a, f- <laughs> a guardian, a woman to a co-sign and, and give extend credit for him. Oh, God. Yeah, I feel like I would rather men who don't have a female guardian to just uh, have to fend for themselves. I think they would be too much trouble for women to have to manage their life for them. Right. Having a woman in your life to manage your money for you is a privilege. Mm -hmm. An honor. (laughs) It's an honor. It really is an honor because women are better at managing money than men. A lot of men obviously are not going to go for this because they don't want to give up control, whatever. Your funeral. But yeah, no, I think (laughs) (laughs) your funeral. I wasn't ready for all of this. (laughs) Yeah, but as a social norm, I really genuinely think that women should just control all of the money. Like, I think a husband should go out and earn the money and then come home and then just give his entire paycheck to his wife for her to decide how to spend it. And maybe she'll give him an allowance or something for lunches, uh, you know, a little bit of spending money if she's generous. You know, there's a Russian saying that a woman's wallet belongs to her, but a man's wallet is for the community. And I think that that's just a really good policy. And we should bring that we should bring that over here again, just as a social norm. And, you know, men listen to this, they might think that's unfair. But I think that it's necessary to have this rule to compel men to spend their money in ways that are pro-social. It reminds me of hunter-gatherer societies, right? Where realistically, women did most of the gathering and most of the distribution of resources because men had to spend so much time doing defense and exploration. Yeah, or like acquiring resources. Yeah, acquiring resources itself, right? So, well, women did gathering, which is like generally... I guess it's not as like physically. Women gathered more calories. Men hunted, I guess. I don't know. It was Well, they said it, it still provided like 70% of the tribe's food, but it just means that like they didn't take on some of the more risky ventures and or were more close to the tribe all the time. So then they were more in tune of like what things people needed. And so in a lot of early human cultures, it wasn't actually that weird for men to quote, bring home the bacon and then women be responsible for distributing resources among the tribe. Yeah, I think we need to return to tradition in this sense. Yeah. I think women should control all of the money. And the reason why, I just want to wrap up with the reason why. And the main reason is that men tend to waste their money on stupid, selfish shit. Like there was a study, I think it was Oxfam that did it. I'll drop the link in the show notes. And a few studies I've read where men tend to spend their money on things like alcohol or prostitutes or just, you know, wasteful things. Whereas women tend to spend the money on the household, on the kids' education, on the community, right? So women already by default spend money in a pro-social way. Men don't do that by default. And so I think that this is necessary to get all members of the tribe to behave in a pro-social way. So like even the household management level and a lot of like sales industries and stuff, they'll tell you like when you're selling to a family unit, the person who's probably managing the money and that's going to make you know make or break the sale is going to be the wife and not the males oh yeah i work in sales we do that in training all the time yeah like we've been told i've learned in every sales job i've ever had do not even waste your time 
giving a solo presentation to a man. <laughs> if you sell to the woman, you can probably make a sale. If you sell to the a couple, you'll probably also make the sale. But there has to be a woman there. Yeah. And um, just to have that conversation that like makes sense or a dude's going to be like, yeah, you're hot. I'll buy it. Or you just never know the factors that he's weighing because none of it has anything to do with your actual pitch. Or if he says, oh, hold on, I have to call my wife. You're definitely not going to make the sale. Like there's <laughs> nothing you can say to objection handle that if he's like, I need to talk to my wife. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get him to close. You can't get a guy to close if he needs to talk to his wife first. And on a, on a macro scale, right, I wanted to kind of bring attention to the mismanaging of economy of money at the like macro societal level. I mean, we've had the multiple crashes of note is the 2008 crash, which has led to like, you know, a, a domino effect for their economic crises that we've had in society. You know, in 2008, for instance, anybody who's watched what was it? The Big Short. Yes, The Big Short. Right. It kind of like I really wanted it to be inaccurate. But after diving deep into it myself, it, it was essentially what happened. I mean, yeah. it was a bunch of hedge fund managers and it's just people that got really high off of their own supply. They realized that they could give out these loans, people that weren't credit worthy and weren't reliable, and then call them something different and then, quote, package these loans that people would leverage. Watch the movie if you haven't watched it. And it turned into a party and having made finance friends and getting into like a peek into that world and the people that were trading these options. It's just a hold my beer game of the entire essentially economy of the United States at play because these people wanted to make money and it didn't matter at what cost, even if it meant lending this money and having people invest in the probability that this loan would do well. And it's not even just that, it's that the value is what you can sell it as, right? Yeah. And men are more likely to vastly, vastly inflate <laughs> the value of an asset and also purposely make it complex so that it seems like it's more valuable than it is because of its complexity. So a lot of that, because remember, some of these bonds were actually rated really highly yeah. by like S&P. So part of that is because that was the ability for these guys to sell the idea that these things had. And sometimes like at some, they explained their way into it. They were like, well, it's packaged with good loans and therefore, you know, that these are going to do well. But out, like sometimes it was just outright fraud where good, bad loans were called good loans and why you weren't supposed to really dig into it. And even on the other side, when you look at the way the financial markets work and you're trading, when you look at like the stock exchange and you're trading just stocks, right? It's shares of a publicly owned company. That makes sense, right? But once you even dig deeper into it, you're looking at like options and derivatives. And these make or break companies. They make or break our economy. They make or break a lot of things and like impact the indexes. And it's just like the things, and it's primarily men doing all of this. This is a boys club. If you look on Instagram and you look into these like social communities around these environments, it's mostly dudes doing a lot of coke, drinking a bunch and managing our economy at like 25 not that there's anything wrong with being 25. I also think with the derivatives thing, so institutions in general are interested in gatekeeping certain knowledge in order to capitalize off of it. So I've talked to a number of hedge fund managers who have said that they don't even understand a lot of the derivative packages. It's just, again, once again, their ability to sell it to people, right? I don't even think it's as malicious. It's not malicious, but again, it's a sales job first and foremost. Yeah, exactly. They created a product to sell. If they say it has asset, it has this value and you have someone smart enough to convince people it has value and people aren't smart enough to like deconstruct the value. And there's just so many different types of securities that are being split into fractions of parts to create the illusion of value. Then 
essentially people just like, it's like they default to the authority, right? They default to the, well, this guy's really smart. He went to Harvard. He went to Yale. He went to wherever. So he must know what he's talking about and he must have real assets behind it. But then what happens is, is like, for example, in the subprime mortgage crisis. Men are also very good at lying. So exactly. They're very good at lying. So then what happens is, is like, eventually somebody's got to pay, somebody, somebody's got to pay the piper. And then, you know, very similar to what happened with Wall Street's bets, you start to realize like, oh, a lot of this shit actually doesn't have any real tangible value behind it, where they were overselling. So with Wall Street bets is another example where on GameStop, they had shorted a bunch of the stocks and actually overshorted it. So then they didn't actually, they shorted more stocks than were in existence. Yeah, because I don't know, y'all are talking and I don't understand most of what you're saying. (laughs) So the market, right? The market is really... So you have privately owned companies and publicly owned companies. And the publicly owned companies is what you see as stocks. That means anybody technically can go and buy a share of a stock. And now you are part owner like of the hundred of shares of that company. And then you have this other concept that they came up with, which is you essentially and options are what are called securities. You're not buying the share. You're saying that if the share drops or goes up, above a certain price that you will buy or sell. And that's basically called like calling and putting. You're essentially gambling. Like long story short, you're gambling. You're saying it'll hit this price either above it or below it. And then you hope that the market, you know, trends in the cycle that you want it to so you can get a favorable price and make a ton of money or sell it. I mean, that's essentially like the best way I can explain it. And then what they try to do is in order to make money on it, what they do is they borrow shares and then they try to sell the borrowed shares to someone else so that they can make a profit on it. But sometimes they sell more shares than they've actually borrowed, right? Or they sell more shares than actually exist. So with the whole GameStop, so like overbooking a flight? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I should bring this down to like, okay, yeah, making more symbols. Yeah, it's like overbooking a flight. <laughs> you should make it simple to understand. Thanks, Ro. No, going back to Rose's point, though, like they overcomplicate this. That's why I don't think it's even. Which is they're not supposed to do, by the way. Yeah. So this is the thing where like they're just outside. It's so they make it purposely complicated so that it's very difficult to regulate. And by the time people figure out what's going on, a bunch of people got fucked over. So then they make a lot of money. Yes. And became billionaires in the process. And they're like, but we don't even do that anymore. So the people, yeah. So going back to it, they're essentially just, they're gambling. And then with GameStop, just to simplify it, um, they basically bought a bunch of it, driving the cost of it up because now people are buying it and overbuying it. And people are, it was basically a buying frenzy and a shorting frenzy. Right, Ro? So it was like, I can't remember exactly how they figured out. Because Sequoia was shorting it. And anyways, this huge hedge fund manager was saying that, yeah. Yeah. So essentially why they were able to leverage it is because of the fact that they had overshorted. They did not have enough actual shares to close their position, meaning like sell everything to the people that they promised to sell because they didn't actually have the actual shares in their possession. And somebody figured this out on Reddit somehow. And then (laughs) I can't remember exactly the entire story behind it. (laughs) Not a Redditor figuring shit out. (laughs) Well, the entire Wall Street bet. So they started buying it and therefore driving up the price because eventually they have to close. Somebody is going to demand, because remember, they borrow it to sell it to someone else. So the person they sold it to is going to demand they deliver on the stocks and they don't actually have the stocks. So that means that they have to purchase the stocks back from somewhere, meaning as many retail investors that purchase more stock and hold the stock, then um, they have to purchase it at a higher price. And what they were trying to do is a short squeeze, which basically means that at some point they're going to have to pay 
they're going to have to deliver the stock to the sellers they promised to. And so that means that they're going to have to pay over the price. They're going to have to pay a large amount of money to get those stock back from the retail investors, right, in order to sell it. So when they were doing the whole hodl thing, it was like everyone buy stock and it's going to go up because they're going to have to pay whatever we want them to because of the fact that they don't actually have enough of the stock in existence and they are required to close their position at some point. That's the long and short of what happened. Yeah, that's a really good explanation of it. I mean, there's another girl on Twitter that put it this way, and I thought it was very eloquent. She said, some people out there have hedges and some people don't, and some people wanted hedges and... There was a lot of short hedges. It's a great video. I'll also post that. But um, it was a psychotic thing that shows that like there are people out there, mostly men, that are gambling with our economy, the Wall Street. They're just gambling. And men are so fiscally irresponsible at the macro level and the private sector and the financial sector and even in the government sector. So right now, it's 2022. Inflation has more than quadrupled, right? So that what inflation is, essentially, it's the value of money as you know as time goes on. It's the purchase price of money. So it's how much, how many goods and services you're able to purchase with the same dollar. So when you are able to purchase less, that means that the value of the dollar is less. So then that is inflation, right? Yeah. Cost of goods costs more. Exactly. Yeah. More money to buy the same thing. It's when things get more expensive, but wages don't go up. (laughs) That's part of it. Kind of. That's part of causes inflation, but the concept of inflation is about like the purchasing price of the dollar. How how many things can you buy with a single dollar? Sometimes you can buy a lot of things with a single dollar. Sometimes suddenly you can't buy anything with a single dollar because everything's expensive and that's what we call inflation. Now you can buy nothing unless you go to... Yeah. Yeah. It will never be nothing. And so with inflation right now, historically was 2%, you know, go the price of goods and services, essentially, it was 2% go up. So your dollar would decrease by 2% annually. Well, for the first time in recent history, it's 8.5-ish percent because in the show notes, that means your dollar today is roughly what, 92 cents? It has the purchasing power of 92 cents and not really a dollar. And that's incredible because one, that means everything is now going to cost more dollars. But where do you get your dollars? Usually work, right? Wages aren't going up. They've stagnated over time. On top of that, yeah, daycares, you know, what it means to be alive and buy goods, the, the power, the ability to buy what you need to buy hasn't really, really changed. And so there's like there's fewer jobs in the market. And it's been exacerbated by the pandemic, right? A lot of the inflation was caused by supply chain shortages. Well, supply chain issues that were both malicious and nefarious, you had a lot of attacks on the supply chain security. Um, The COVID shutdowns had a lot to do with it as well. And on top of that, congressionally mandated, what were the COVID checks called it? I'm I'm blanking right now. Uh, The Paycheck Protection Act? Well, those were the grants, right? Which had something to do with it as well. But COVID stimulus. Yeah, the stimulus packages that were also sent out. The stimmies. <laughs> the stimmy checks, yeah. So there was two series of stimulus checks that were sent out, which was essentially Congress saying, here's some money, right? And so when you flood a system with anything, the value of it goes down. And didn't most of it go to like giant businesses also who didn't even like need it that much? The Paycheck Protection Act, the stimulus was based on individual taxpayers' tax returns, but the Paycheck Protection Act was intended to go well, be distributed among a bunch of businesses in order to encourage businesses to keep people on their payroll, meaning the government will pay you the cost of the to keep these employees on. And people lied. <laughs> First of all, people lied and like there's not really any mechanism to 
like catch them or prosecute them for it. And like they're trying to do it right now. They are trying to catch people right now for Paycheck Protection Act fraud. But it's like, once again, it's like a couple of years after the fact. And then secondly, uh, the people with the best lawyers got the front of the line, which is going to be the biggest businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So they immediately hear this is going to be announced. So one of the most more famous cases was Shake Shack, where Shake Shack probably didn't actually need it. But again, they're a corporation. They have lawyers on staff. And then the entire resource was depleted by big business before it got to like mainstream, right? Before it got to small businesses, because they just had the resources to immediately claim all of the funds. So that's why a lot of people were complaining that it didn't really do shit because the places that could have afforded to keep people on their payroll anyways gobbled up all the money, but the small and medium-sized businesses weren't able to get- Were directly, yeah. Yeah, weren't able to get the money as quickly and the pool ran out. So, <laughs> so yeah. And it goes back to um, these corporations being run by largely male societies. And then at the smaller level, um, you're talking about retail-owned businesses. So a lot of like mostly female-owned businesses were directly impacted because they didn't get a hold of this paycheck protection check that they needed. It, it was technically a loan, but you could be forgiven if you employed under, I think it was like 500 people or something along those lines. It's just shown that from many, many angles. And I really thought I was going to disagree with this, but from many, many angles, the key component of fiscal irresponsibility and disaster surrounds like man or men. Essentially, it just really boils. I didn't think I would agree with this topic because I generally don't like to jump in on the mail bashing. But um, yeah, they're just- We get it. You're conservative, but even conservative women. No, it has nothing to do with being conservative. And- (laughs) But here's the thing, even conservative, when I talk to conservative women, they 100% agree with me when I say your husband should give you all of his paycheck for you to decide how to spend it. I've not met a single woman who disagreed with me, regardless of her political beliefs. Fiscal responsibility, I don't think has anything to, is not something that men have done well. I'll just leave it at that. And therefore, like, I agree with you. Yeah. And realistically, I think they understand that because when you look at most small businesses, they're mom and pops. And part of that mom and pop is the mom, right? It's not just the pop. That's why it's mom and pop. Right, exactly. That's why her name is first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A lot of times the woman is running the entire back office situation, including the money, right? Like the men might be like, forward facing the doer or he might be the doer but she's gone she's doing the payroll she's doing like the paying rent and like doing all the money management stuff behind the back taxes exactly so she understands how to distribute the actual funds where he might be like more great at sales or coming up with ideas i mean or just doing the manual labor that goes for small mom and pops all the way up until up up into now multi-billion dollar corporations like amazon started out very much the same way where it was jeff and What's her name again? Sorry, Mackenzie. Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos. Mackenzie worked in the entire back office and she was doing a lot of the early contract uh, negotiations while he was basically selling it and developing the software and making like different deals, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of, I think, conservative women might intuitively understand like, yes, the balance of the relationship should have some element of control extended to the wife. And generally, if they're doing a mom and pop, the woman is responsible for the monetary aspect as well. This is the way, I mean, this is what my grandparents' parents did. They, they didn't um, own a business, but as far as like my grandfather did literally zero of the financial planning in the house, he just brought home a paycheck and my grandmother did it. So I think that's a very old school way of doing things. And for most working class people, that tends to work really, really well as far as distribution of labor. Yeah, my grandparents did the same thing. Actually, no, on one side, so on my dad's side, it was my grandma who was the matriarch and my 
grandfather, same thing. Like, even though he made more money than her, he gave his entire paycheck to decide how to spend it. He got an allowance. He had to ask my grandma if he could spend his own money. That was their relationship. And it worked. You know what? Their financial situation, they were able to save a lot of money. They started out pretty well, but they were able to increase their wealth like over you know the many years that they worked and so on. And then on the other side, my mom's side, it was actually my grandfather who controlled. There's so many stories about all the poor financial decisions he made when he was drunk, like just gambling things. Like, you know how much money and how much farm equipment he lost from gambling? That's like the stupidest, stupidest shit, right? And my grandmother on my mom's side, unfortunately, didn't have any control over the money, right? And the whole family suffered because of my grandfather's ego-based, like poor impulse control financial decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So just in that like tiny, like anecdotal evidence, like man controls money, family disaster, woman controls money, family thrives, family prospers, right? It's just very like obvious to me. And I'm surprised that this, I mean, it is a norm in a lot of families, but I think I'm even surprised by families that are like, no, marriage is an equal partnership and both partners should decide how money is spent. No, 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 no. The woman should make all the decisions. Like, <laughs> we just did a roast to scrote. He should ask her permission. Remember we did a roast to scrote on FDS about a family where the father owned a very successful business and he was trying to groom his son to take over and his, his son was just a perpetual fuck up. <laughs> Right. So like there's this attitude that they think that if, you know, my son's going to inherit my company and my son's going to be as invested and understand these things. And truthfully, that's a lot of times not the case. In fact, they might be more likely to devalue it. And then for and then secondly, use it on selfish pursuits rather than distributing it to take care of their actual family. And that's been true of my like we don't have like a ton of wealth or anything, but my grandfather owned like one of my grandfathers owned a small business. And when he passed on, he gave it to my dad and my dad was supposed to distribute that money among my aunts and uncles, spent all that shit and basically perpetually made himself a pariah for a number of years mm. from my family because I don't know exactly the entire story, but it's another situation where it was spent on selfish pursuits and not on actually uh, distributing it like my grandfather asked as well as like investing it properly. Now, it could have just been once again, bad investment decisions. But again, it wasn't his decision to make it was supposed to be distributed. But he decides he knows best. Yeah, he decides he knows best. So then, you know, <laughs> like there are certain personality traits. I have no inheritance from anybody. And it's because of the male relatives in my family. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like the inheritance that I am likely to have is because of the female family members saving it, right? Uh, uh, there's a similar thing. I see this on Reddit all the time and on Twitter. Women talk about all our family heirlooms that got inherited by my mom or my aunt. Those are still in the family. The ones that got inherited by my dad. My grandpa, he gave those away to whatever random woman he was dating at the time, right? Like men just cannot keep their hands on money or valuables in general. Women, you know, they say men are hunters, women are gatherers. I think women are both. Women can be hunters and gatherers. But I think gathering is a very valuable and important skill for the community, right? And women are good at acquiring things and keeping it. Men are very good at losing shit. Uh -huh. And men have certain like average personality traits, like, you know, recklessness, selfishness, being dishonest, you know, that just make them bad at managing money, right? It's just biology, honestly, like, just, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, there's a reason why 90%... It's the Y chromosome. <laughs> it's the Y chromosome, exactly. But there's a reason why like, what, 98, 99% of Darwin Awards winners are men. It's because men, this is an actual thing, Google male idiot theory. This is a scientifically researched phenomenon where men, basically, they're prone to high risk, low reward 
decisions, right? And having a high risk, low reward is the opposite of what you want when it comes to managing money. You know, if you're going to do high risk, it better be high reward, right? If you do low risk, you know, reward might be lower, but you know, you won't squander everything, or at least you're less likely to squander anything if you don't take too many risks. They're bad at risk assessment. Right. So <laughs> men are poor at risk assessment or in their mind, like they see the risk as worthwhile if it makes them look cool. Right. <laughs> They'll make stupid decisions because of personal status or just like they want us to be seen as a baller who like buys rounds for the homies or whatever on the weekend or, <laughs> you know, like they, they want to be seen as the cool guy. And so they'll squander their money. It's the reason it's called the prodigal son and not the prodigal daughter. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Like men are prone to doing stupid decisions with their money and women are just better. Women just have the personality traits on average that are associated with better money management. And there's a reason why, you know, female hedge fund managers are better at their jobs. And here's actually an example. And financial advisors women are better financial advisors. This is actually one of those things where I feel like capitalism is actually going to kind of sort itself out because the businesses that are run by women are going to thrive. I genuinely believe in female superiority. Okay. I'm a female supremacist. I genuinely believe that from the bottom of my heart. I don't even think women need necessarily affirmative action. You know, we need female only spaces and stuff, you know, protection for male aggression. Right. But women are so much better than men that like, you know, we don't even need quotas. Like the companies that hire women and don't discriminate against women will do better. And the companies that discriminate against women and have fewer female leaders will fail. Uh That's how much I believe in female superiority is that women owned businesses will crush the male competition. Just you see. I support that. Yeah. On some level. (laughs) I mean, I'm not even like super pro capitalism, but this is like the one time where I think actually maybe like let the free market decide. Yeah. Let the (laughs) the free market decide. Stop. Stop giving men affirmative action. Honestly, (laughs) I think. And that's why I am pro free market and it's not truest form per se, but as much as we can get supply and demand in the government to really impose like the restrictions to keep the game, not necessarily fair or equitable, but enable people to have what they need to have in order to compete effectively. It's not men that need the help ever. Men always cheat the system, create unfair systems that don't work or only benefit them at the cost of something else, which is, and they have no sense of like community. So yeah. Yeah. They call them, I mean, and everybody else is a bag holder. That's once again, a thing that's, it's a euphemism for um, when men create some kind of technology that Again, they're selling they're selling it based on cool or looking smart and that doesn't have any real actual underlying value. And this is like the big controversy with things like NFTs, right? Remember the NFT bros were early on were like, this is gonna be worth millions and millions of dollars someday. You have to buy an NFT right now. And people were buying art NFTs of random pictures of like monkeys and stuff for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it may or may not actually have that actual value. Right. And probably and the truth is, is probably not. And they they look at it like, well, it doesn't matter if it doesn't actually have any value. By the time people figure it out, the bag holders will be stuck with the debt and they'll be stuck with the loss. Right. They flip the script. Right. It's like that from tech bros to like finance bros is the same thing with with derivatives. It's like they can convince you a security has a value based on a bunch of complicated math to make it look like, you know, with fractions of different other securities. Then by the time they sell it to you and you figure out it doesn't have value, you'll be left with the bag. And so it's just bag holding over and over again yeah. and uh, clout chasing by men. 
<laughs> so I think what's funny is um, they've actually shown that women, like a man in like startup culture, right? A woman will have a startup idea and hers will be very set in logic. It's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to mitigate risk. This is how we plan to make money. This is how we plan to scale. And she'll think about it from a very business and sound, not safe, but like effective and logical strategy. And the dude will be like, we're going to blow this market niche wide open. Check it. Dating app for dogs. Right. <laughs> like, and the girl will have one for like how to make sure that your children are safe and how to keep track of them. Something useful. Yeah. And they're like, yo, but like dogs be fucking, dogs be fucking hockey stick and profits, bro. Like, and then like, boom, he gets a billion dollars in like seed investment, pre seed investment. The app's not even created. Boom, he has a check. But going back to the whole NFT thing, what's crazy is they started recently to figure out that those pictures don't have value, right? Right. And the Bored Apes guy was like, it's not it's not about the picture. It's about the access you have to the community of people that own the pictures. And then what did everybody do? They're like, oh, okay. Boom. He sells the next one for like a million dollars. But even then, people think that's also, they think that there's actual secret whales behind the entire thing, meaning mm -hmm. the people that are involved in inflating the values of these NFTs are invested in inflating the value to, once again, make to close their position before you figure out that it has no value so that they can make a profit. So the secret behind it is allegedly things like Ethereum are being backed by uh, JP Morgan and other big banks who figured out early that they could make a profit off basically doing the exact same thing they do with stocks, but just with something like an NFT in the, the metaverse. Have you guys heard of the pig butchering scam? No, what's that? Lilith, you're going to love this. And Ro, I think you've heard of it. Maybe it's like a different name. So it's awful. So it's a scam. Um, so you guys remember the whole like, I'm a deployed soldier dating app scam where he's like, I'm a deployed soldier. I need money. Like, please send me some money. I can't see my family and I don't have any money or a way to get back home from deployment. And these poor women would fall for it. Have you guys heard of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard of that. So there's a new one. It's a crypto scam. It's called a pig butchering crypto scam. So essentially what they do is like, it's a very realistic like profile that and the guy just sends you pictures throughout his day and everything. He talks to you and he talks about how like well he's doing and how he drives a Lambo or something really, really nice. And essentially the goal of this is to scam you through like a fake crypto thing, whether he's like, I'm I, I'm a crypto investor. I'd love to get in on it with you. I love to invest with my spouse. And like, I just want to know how financially minded you are. And this thing takes about like three to four months to develop. And at the end, they make you download your Coinbase. They set up a Coinbase account um, that's a like joint or something. They get your credentials so that he can put you on his like crypto making scheme. And then essentially they use that. And if you already own crypto, they drain your crypto. If you don't, you have to input your bank information into Coinbase. So they get all of that and then just drain your bank account. And it's happened to so many women who've had their entire bank accounts like wiped out. And they get the data collection on top of that. What does this have to do with pig butchering? Because they get you and then they hook you. I don't know why it's called actually, but. Because they, I don't know, they hook you by both angles, cut you down the middle, drain your organs, slit your throat, let the blood drain. Is that <laughs> like, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Lola, thank you. You can paint with your words. It's impressive. So I'm Googling now. It says pig butchering scam. I was like, this whole time I was waiting like. Is this a, like a literal pig butchering thing? Like, are is where's the farmer? Are they sending it off to a slaughterhouse that doesn't exist? Like, 
Here's the official definition of a giveaway. The fraud is named for the way the scammers feed their victims with promises of riches before cutting them off and taking all their money. So the pig butchering scam is just as dreadful as it sounds. Only in this scam, an unsuspecting person's hard-earned cash is on the chopping block. Yeah, they empty your bank account. So they fatten you up and then drain you for everything, I guess? Yeah. So they like essentially for three to four months, they're leading on their mark to believe that they're in like an online relationship with someone they never, ever meet. Right. So like FDS, like meet as soon as possible. Right. The biggest problem with these types of scams is it can take years to sort out versus like petty crimes, right? This is why these guys get away with it so often. Is what First of all, is because the powers that, that be are always interested in underfunding the bureaus that go after their donors, <laughs> that would go after their donors. But secondly, because they can be complex and multi-layered, right? So it, it always feels like you can get away with white collar crime for a very long time. And then sometimes by the time they figure out a crime has gone on, they've spent so much money and resources that they're interested in settling, right? They're like, we could keep trying to prosecute this guy for another year, but it's going to cost us too much resources to do so. So we'll just give him, you know, give him some kind of settlement to incentivize this to be closed and moved on, which of course pisses everybody off because they're like, wow, there's one set of rules for us and then a set of rules for the elite, right? The set of rules of the people that can afford to have the capital to scam people early, <laughs> right? And any type of deal. So it is, it's frustrating to watch. And then go back to your earlier point before we move forward. Like when we talk about women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses and like why they're not often funded is buy-in is so important. And buy-in is often a function of like, uh, first of all, it's a sales job, but also a function of like trustworthiness or perceived trustworthiness. And that kind of social capital is really, really hard for women and uh, people of color to buy in comparison to white men. Yeah. Why do people automatically trust white men? Like they're the least trustworthy demographic. (laughs) Because again, it's like, it's about in-group politics, about gatekeeping. If you say the right words, you went to the right schools, you like have the right... Uh, image, so to speak, then people start to think, well, this person speaks my language. They understand how to gatekeep the people I don't like out of it. And therefore, I'm more likely to invest in them, which is incredibly frustrating because once, like you said, a lot of these guys are just absolute fraudsters and aren't necessarily better at uh, doing it, investing or whatever their uh, product they're trying to sell is to people uh, than other groups. And then furthermore, because it doesn't affect white guys, they tend to think it's not important. And there is a big, 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 uh, I don't remember if it was in the New York Times, but I remember reading an article about um, there was a huge explosion in curly hair products. I don't know if you remember this, L, like for us curly hair girls. But like, remember, like, it was like mid 2000s and all, like, they could not get VC funds to save their life, right? Now you see curly hair products on every store and every shelf. It used to be one corner with like pink lotion and some gel. Yeah, but not, but not even just for like 14 products. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, but it's become like where you can go to any department store and there's like a cavalcade of different curly hair products and it's a huge industry now. But most of these people started like mixing stuff up in their kitchen and not being able to get investors because like investors straight up thought, well, this isn't going to go anywhere. I can't see the value of this because they're not curly, because they're not women and they don't have curly hair. They're men. And they're bald because they're old. And they're bald because they're old. (laughs) Facts. Facts. (laughs) (laughs) They're bald because they're old. I love that. Yes. They're old, bald guys. (laughs) 
So they don't see the value in things that don't affect them. And so that's once again, why women should own these things because women tend to understand. Meanwhile, they'll throw so much money at Rogaine, right? Like the thing about, or, you know, things that solve erectile dysfunction, they'll be like, I will spend a bajillion dollars developing this because that's something that old, bald, shitty, dickless men need, you know? Yeah. Like Idiocracy had it right. They're like, the future is going to be lost because all of the brilliant minds will be focused on solving erectile dysfunction in receiving hairlines. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But it is. It's like that in small and large ways where anything that happens to them is mission critical in a crisis. Anything that people that are like not traditional investors or not in traditional like uh, or, or founders is a non-issue, is a non-motherfucking factor. Who's a, I forget who came up that phrase, but like people who come up, you know, and that blind spot is continuously why, first of all, we don't have as many like female-based tech. We don't have as much female-based like uh, medicine. We don't have as much female-based, et cetera. So, I mean, you could just go on and on and on because of the fact that they tend to think the things that women need are irrelevant and that there's, they're, it's not monetizable outside of a way that they can consider it. And I, and I touched on this a little bit in our, um, our Elon Musk tech bros episode where like their solution to the guy, the men's solution to the declining fertility was to come up with like babies in a bag. And I'm like, that's some dumb shit a man would come up with. Right. (laughs) Like, right. (laughs) That was dumb as shit. Just on its face. You could have just asked any woman anywhere about what's keeping you from having children. What are your actual pain points? And let's create technology around that. And yet all these clowns, you're assuming they talk to women or know women. I know a woman. All these clowns are immediately like, oh, we got to put babies in bags. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then Vitaly, who's never like seen a real life woman that like actually likes him for him, was like... Or ever seen a baby. All right. So what's our strategy takeaways from this episode? And then we'll wrap. On the individual level, ladies, like it has to be a standard when you're dating for the man to be okay with you deciding how money is spent. That's one of the things I really like about my relationship is that he consults me before major purchases. If I buy anything, he's just like, wow, that's great. Like he doesn't question it. If I make a decision unilaterally, I think that is a good dynamic. And I think that women should not settle for anything less if a man tries to control you or how you spend your money, dump him. If he doesn't let you have any influence over how he spends his money, dump him. This is a one-way street. (laughs) So I I love that. A whole lot can be said about FLRs, female-led relationships, and uh, I think Lilith is a patron saint. Yeah, I'm very pro-female-led relationship. Yeah. I would say when you make it and you get that bag, like, don't be a pick-me and forget about the other women who also need help. I'm all for, you know, finding... I don't like victim politics, but bring invite like ask other women find a way to invite other women into the room into the environment like more women need to rise up and be in these decision making opportunities like if you find yourself in the position to hire somebody make it a point to look for qualified female candidates and if you're in a place to invest look for good female like go out of your way and look for the harder investment you can invest consciously there is a, a way to be conscious and capital that just means with the intent of balancing social issues with fiscal power. Like you can do it and invest wisely, hire wisely, invite more women to the table that are qualified. 
Yeah, also lean in. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, God. Control all the money. Yuck, 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 yuck. Um, yes, control the money. Don't lean in. That's weird. Don't make it weird. <laughs> Maybe don't, yeah, no, don't Cheryl Sandberg. I'm saying, my point being, professionally or personally, every opportunity you have to control money, take that opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So that's going to, my final strategy is that we need to vastly start attacking and undervaluing specifically men when it comes to their investment ideas like devalue men's ideas devalue their their contributions as more women get into these different industries you need to start laughing at this shit on its face the way we do meaning like if some guy comes up with the babies and bags (laughs) idea look at him like he's fucking stupid don't entertain it because like that um that space i listened to where they actually started to entertain this idea i'm like you're part of the problem like you sat up there and you're like gargling vitalik butyrans and like elon musk's balls right now on this completely dumbass idea that I know you know is a dumbass idea as a woman. I know you know this, right? But I guess they're they're basically pick me's, but we have to start valuing the contributions of women and the things that women need and show that you're not it's not charity, right? Like women are 51, 52% of the population. That's a huge demographic. So if you dedicate any type of resources developing things that are specifically for them you're more than likely to make your money back so it's not like it's not a charity case but when you're looking at uh, when you're in artificially inflating men's ideas because it comes because they're getting like institutional power and being uh, touted as geniuses because they just say sometimes really absurd things like doesn't mean that it actually has any value behind it and you need to start actually doing the nuts and bolts of looking at whether something has real world tangible value and not just because a white guy said it okay (laughs) all right so thanks for listening team female check us out on twitter at female political and on our facebook check the link below and on our patreon please support our patreon patreon.com forward slash female political strategy see y'all next week (laughs) 